This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Sister Wives, Season 17, Episode 3, The Labors of Life. What an episode. What an emotional roller coaster ride. The first thing I want to point out is a contradiction of Cody's and another manipulative tactic I noticed he uses. The constant moving of the goalposts, the constant shifting of what he wants from his wives. What he expects. One minute he expects one thing, the next another. Having the wives shuffle, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, constantly trying to figure out what page their husband is on now. I want to credit Diana for finding this clip. She came across it and she wanted to share it with me and it really got me thinking. So I would love to share my commentary on this clip with all of you. It's a great example of the confusion Cody creates as he contradicts himself He contradicts what he wants from his wives in order to facilitate situations where he can make things as convenient as possible for himself. Because when things aren't lovey-dovey with a wife, Cody uses that as an excuse to pull back, as an excuse to make less effort, as an excuse to give that wife and kids less time and investment. We all know when Cody has an issue with a wife, If that relationship is rocky, he then transfers that to the kids and he uses it as an excuse to neglect them, to be absent, to invest less. And for Cody, all of this manipulation is great because then he gets to do what is convenient and favorable for him. He gets to have a more convenient life. I have said time and time again, it's my opinion that Cody loves convenience. He will only do what is convenient and favorable for him. He will not sacrifice to do anything inconvenient for his kids, his wives, his family, the obstacles to his goal in life, as he refers to them. In my opinion, the goal is monogamy with Robin less responsibility, and a life where Cody can serve himself and his ego without the stress and the responsibilities of the obstacles he feels chained to. But that's just my opinion. Okay, let's get into the clip. And I will put the link for this clip in the description. It is from TLC's YouTube page. There is a clip there where Cody admits He married Christine because she is polygamy royalty. And Christine says when she married Cody, it was her decision to enter into the family. The family was integral to her decision to live plural marriage and to marry Cody. She didn't just want Cody. She says if you only have a good relationship with the man, she thinks it would be very difficult to have a plural family if you are not going to be interested in having a relationship with your sister wives. Christine says she was very good friends with Mary. Mary was as much fun as Cody, and they had lots of conversations. 
They talked a lot. She talked a lot with her sister wives. And it wasn't just Cody that she was interested in when she decided to marry him. And Cody is visibly annoyed by this. He wants Christine to say he was the selling point. Cody even asks if the sister wives weren't there, if she would have still married him. Christine wanted the family. She wanted the sister wives. She wanted the plural family experience. Cody tells Christine she made the decision to marry him, though, based upon marrying a man and not on marrying the family. And Cody asks Christine how it works. And Christine says, because there were other guys that were married that she got to know better and she loved the women, but she felt nothing towards the man. She acknowledges there should be chemistry with the man. Cody says the thing is that Christine was becoming part of a family. That's a family with her sister wives, but she is ultimately marrying the man. Cody says the relationship ultimately is with the man, your husband, and by extension, it's with the rest of the family. Cody tells Christine she doesn't think he understands that she never really wanted a single man. And Cody says the thing is, if Christine would have fallen in love with him and he wasn't married, they still would have gotten married then. And Christine says, okay. And Cody wants Christine to say, She married him because he was the draw and for no other reason and that he is a priority before the sister wives and he should be her priority, not her sister wives, not the family. The sister wives are secondary to him and she only got them and gained them through him, through marrying him, her husband, her king, now her ex-husband. Christine wanted the whole family. She wasn't only interested in Cody. And it pisses Cody off that he wasn't her sole reason for marrying him and that she may have been as interested in the whole family as she was in him. Cody can't drop it. His ego won't allow it. He wants to know if Christine would have married him if he wasn't already married to Janelle and Mary and if he were single. And Christine doesn't know. She tells him it's a stupid question. So Cody frustratedly says, They have to accept that their destiny was to be there together and Mary and Janelle were a part of that. And Christine says Cody is making it more complicated than it was. And she says when she goes shopping, she sees what she wants and she gets it. And that's all there is to it. She says she and Cody had a destiny and they got married. And Cody smiles and he says it wasn't complicated. And Christine says it wasn't complicated. That's it. We're destined to be together. Bam. To be done with the topic. And Cody says he was complicated. And Christine tells him she didn't know he was complicated. She didn't know until they were married. And Cody smiles really big here. And Christine says it's a good thing probably. And she laughs. And then she says, not really. The link to the clip will be posted in the video or podcast description. Now, one thing to remember here is the goal of polygamy and plural marriage is supposed to be harmonious familial love. The priority should never be the individual. It's the group over the individual, the family over the self. 
and you're not supposed to prioritize romantic love or the individual husband and wife relationships, the family should always be the priority. Cody wants it known that he should be the priority and without him, Christine never would have the family or the sister wives because she said she made the decision to have the family when she married Cody. And Cody wants the decision to be based on him, that he is her priority, that he is the selling point when it came to marrying him. And when he pushes it, asking if Christine would have married him if he was a single man, she doesn't know, and that pisses him off. Now, we're going to look at how Cody constantly contradicts himself, and as Diana put it so well, how he continually shifts the goalposts of what he expects to create confusion and strife, so he has an excuse to pull away and be distant. Now, juxtapose Cody wanting to be a priority with this example to see how Cody constantly shifts the goalposts. During the anniversary trip to Galveston, Cody supposed to build a rock tower with Christine. Now, in the previous clip, Cody said, Christine should be marrying the husband. The sister wives are secondary. Christine only had them because she married him. The husband is the big draw. The focus should be the husband, not the family. She would never have without him. In that clip, that's Cody's attitude. But in Galveston, when they went with Nancy, she had Cody and Christine build a rock tower symbolizing their anniversary and their marriage together. Christine wanted to symbolize the marriage, the years in the relationship. It is strictly supposed to be about them as a couple, their marriage and their anniversary. And Cody railroads the assignment. He tells Christine they have to include the whole family. And if Christine loves the family, if she acknowledges the family, he will love her and he refuses to acknowledge their marriage or their anniversary or them as an individual married couple as husband and wife. He instead ignores Christine's requests, he ignores the assignment, and he makes the rock tower alone using one stone for each wife and child. Before, Cody said it should be about the husband. The sister wives are secondary. You get the family because you marry the husband, the king. He wanted Christine to focus on him as her priority. Her king, the family, came second. And when Christine married Cody, her decision was about joining the whole family. And in Galveston, Christine wanted to focus on their marriage. It was an anniversary trip with their therapist there to help them with their issues. And Cody told Christine she needed to think about the family. She needed to prioritize the family. She needed to love her sister wives and love the family, and he would love her. See how Cody contradicts himself in what he wants from his wives? Christine wants the family to be a priority, and Cody wants it to be about him as her husband. The big deal, the point of emphasis. And when Christine wants to focus on Cody and their marriage during anniversary trip, when she wants to work so hard on their issues that they bring Nancy, the therapist, along, Cody wants to railroad everything to avoid accountability and focus on the whole family, not their marriage, and not their relationship as husband and wife. I found that to be very interesting, and in my opinion, it's a manipulative tactic 
to continue to shift his expectations so that the wives are in a state of confusion. And Cody does that a lot to create tension so he can create distance and do what is convenient for himself more easily, in my opinion. And then he gets to blame the wives. Cody manipulates the wives to be able to do what is convenient for him. Now, let's get into the episode, Season 17, Episode 3, The Labors of Life. The episode opens with Christine in St. George, Utah. She's there to be with McKelty for the birth of Avalon. It's Christine's anniversary, or it was. Christine says she doesn't consider herself married to Cody anymore at all. Six weeks ago, Christine and Cody had a conversation. She told him she didn't want to be married to him anymore. It's over and she will be moving to Utah. Christine doesn't know when to tell her sister wives or when to tell Truly. She doesn't know. No one knows the finality of this. Christine told Cody before she left to visit McKelty that their anniversary is coming up and she said she isn't going to pretend she isn't going to acknowledge it. She's not going to post anything. And Cody felt like maybe they should post something on social media for their kids' sake to protect them. And Christine said no. Cody wants to frame it as if Christine is selfish, refusing to shield the kids. And he is this big protector man, the sensitive protector of the kids, saving them from death when he could not even attend Isabel's surgery, posting on social media about an anniversary that no longer is, has nothing to do with protecting the kids. This is about Kotex and his fragile ego and not wanting to have to tell the world he knows viewers check out their social medias and he knows viewers will notice no anniversary posts and Cody wants better optics at this point. He wants to save face. And if he thinks this was a test to gauge Christine after she already said she was done and she put out his boxes, it means Cody isn't square with reality yet. Or maybe he is and he just feels there's a possibility to manipulate Christine back in before he has to face the humiliation that a wife is rejecting him, telling him he isn't good enough. By the way, I just have to compliment Christine. That color, the coral she was wearing in that scene of this episode, really suits her. She looked so vibrant, I have to say, and I loved her hoops too. The freedom does Christine good. She looks vibrant, she looks way lighter, and you can really see it in her face. She looks wonderful. Cody says he asked Christine if she wanted to post something on social media to commemorate their anniversary. She said no, and he says he asked as a test, basically, to see if she was playing or not. What planet is this man on if he does not realize by now after the verbal warning and the boxes in the garage and the talk six weeks ago where Christine made it clear she was done, that she is actually done. And at that talk six weeks ago, Cody agreed to this. They came to terms with it six weeks ago. And now he wants to test Christine by asking if he can post about their anniversary on social media. This man is so delusional and he has zero self-awareness, zero. Not one grain of sand's worth of sense 
if he feels maybe she is playing, maybe she isn't serious, maybe he should test. He's a fucking nut. His ego can't take it, so he's grasping at straws because he plays manipulative games and he assumes since he thinks he's playing his family like a game, that everyone around him is playing manipulative games too. It's just a test. It's just a game to grab him by the balls that Christine is playing. That's what Cody thinks at this point. This man is so foolish. He is the world's most foolish man. Is he that dense? Is anybody home? In just a few minutes, we will see the answer to that after the group video chat when Kotex suggests he cannot visit his kids outside because it would be too cold and inconvenient for him. And clearly no one is home. It's just a vacant space between his ears because it's too hard for him to visit with his kids outside because it would be too cold for him. So let's go ahead and remember all the times on the show when we have seen Cody out in the cold, in the ice and the snow, where he somehow found the testicular fortitude to brave the cold and the ice and the snow when it suited his convenience. Let's remember the times when his gentle bones and tender constitution could withstand the cold. Because to see Isabel, Cody cannot withstand the cold. It would be too uncomfortable. It would be too inconvenient for him. So let's remember when Cody had no problem being in the cold and the ice and the snow. Since it's cold now and that seems to prevent him from seeing his daughter. We will address it just like we will address Morticia and her ramen-haired prairie dog Plagueland King, Kotex I, during that video chat. We've got a lot to talk about. Cody mentions how after he tested Christine about posting to social media about their anniversary and she said no, it's the first time that Cody realized Christine was serious about this. So the discussion six weeks ago where she said she was done and moving to Utah, the asking him not to sleep over, the packing his shit in boxes and putting it in the garage, all of that to Cody was Christine just playing a game and Christine trying to manipulate him to get better standing because all Cody does is manipulate and play games and because Cody views the family dynamics as a game to win, he assumes that's how his wives treat everything as well. He assumes it's games and manipulation to get his attention or to gain power. He doesn't get that his wives don't see this as a game. They don't perceive things as he does. They aren't manipulating. This is their life. This is their family. This is what they sacrificed and dedicated years and years to. And Christine realizes she will never have an equal voice to Cody or to his favorite wife. And she realizes Cody isn't capable to give her what she deserves as a wife. He isn't capable to give his kids what they deserve either. She is done being married to the wall. Done. It's not a game. It's her life. But Cody projects. Cody assumes everyone treats things as he does, like a game to manipulate, like a calculation, a move to gain leverage here or there. He thinks everyone is like him when they aren't. He's the delusional one. He still hasn't understood that Christine is serious. This isn't a tactic. It's not a game. It's not a manipulation. And he still wants to test her just in case. He wants to grasp at straws 
even after the last discussion because his ego doesn't want to grapple with his loss. His ego can't comprehend that he just isn't good enough, that he could not uphold his end of the deal that they all signed up for. Cody thinks he wants to keep testing Christine, though, because you never know when she will realize that the life she is looking to create somewhere else isn't going to be better than what she has had or what she has got. Cody is delusional. He really is. He assumes once Christine makes a life, she will realize it's no better than her life with him, and she will crawl back to him. This man is sadly mistaken. It's so pathetic. I thought last episode Cody said he was going to try and get to a place where he was happy that Christine was happy and free. Now he wants to keep testing her and he assumes she will realize her life in Utah won't be better than it was with him and she might come back. I think that Cody thinks Christine leaving him is about her wanting to go to Utah to live in Utah. I don't think that he gets that it's about him and his behavior. It's not about Christine going to Utah. Christine is moving to Utah because she has left Cody and she can. She hasn't left Cody just because she wants to live in Utah. If her marriage with Cody was good, she would have stayed with the family in Flagstaff. She would have stayed with the family in Bora Bora. She would have gone to Tokyo. She wouldn't care. She would stay. She realized she will always be unhappy. She put in years of work. She realized she will never be able to get what she deserves and what she needs from Cody. Cody isn't capable to do any better. And she decided to leave. It's not about her wanting to live in Utah. It's about her knowing she doesn't want to be with Cody. But Cody doesn't get it and it's pathetic. Christine doesn't wear her wedding rings. She says most of the time she feels like they are a noose. Look at the juxtaposition of Christine saying the rings are a noose and Cody still thinking Christine will come back at some point and that he can test her to see how serious she is. Maybe it's not set in stone. And maybe she'll realize her life isn't any better in Utah and she'll come back. And Christine is saying, my rings are a noose to me. I no longer wear them. Three months ago, Christine asked Cody not to come over anymore and she went up to her room and she took her rings off, and it felt so good to take them off. Christine says it's over, and she doesn't know when the final ending is. She doesn't know when the marriage has finality. She guesses it's when she asked him not to come over anymore, but she and Cody never had a legal marriage. It was a spiritual marriage, and she doesn't know when, at what point, their marriage was technically over because they don't have an actual marriage contract. She and Cody were married for 26 years. This would have been their 27th wedding anniversary. She says they had great times and they have wonderful kids and they are both who they are today because of the marriage and the time they had together. And she says it's not a failure. She says there was no real intimacy in the marriage and there was no sex. And Cody says intimacy needs trust and attraction. And in his world, Intimacy needs trust. He thought Christine was being mean, and so Cody was angry, and he felt Christine was unwinding plural marriage for him. She was unwinding his whole life. She was unwinding his whole purpose. 
So he said, no, they aren't having intimacy and they weren't going to have intimacy until Christine got that straight. And Cody wishes he didn't get that angry and he wishes he told her they had some things they needed to work on. Christine says the future is a huge unknown and she wishes she could move to Utah right now and that's the saddest part. She isn't moving on as fast as she would like. Isabel and Gwen still live at home and they will live at home until they go to college. So Christine still will move after the girls have moved out in September. It's been a weird day, but Christine doesn't have any expectations. We learn that Cody didn't have contact with Christine on their anniversary, and he guesses that's an affirmation that it's over. He is so slow on the uptake. Was he not there at the hours-long discussion six weeks ago when they got on the same page about Christine leaving him? Cody is still wondering, though, because Christine hasn't even told her sister wives yet. But she has told her kids, and Cody bets that those who are in the rumor mill know already. Next up is a group video chat with Morticia Adams and the ramen-haired king of the Prairie Dog Playland. And his hair looks so bad, by the way. He has two thin, wispy curls in front and then huge, like, four-inch bald patches on the sides of his head where it's just giant bald patches that are visible and then normal long hair. His hairline is so far back that it looks like he has a headband on with two small, fragile curls at the front and no hair on the sides and then the long hair uninterrupted after you pass the huge, bald ravines on the side of his head. Just cut it. And Morticia has the cray-cray brows, and it looks like Ariella May had fun playing cosmetologist with her mom. Her eye makeup looks like a raccoon, like a child did it. She looks so angry part of the time. Part of the time, Robin looks like she's in a hostage video during this call, and there are other times she is wincing and cringing and flinching in her face because she knows Cody is saying the wrong things. The video call is a group check-in. Cody announces that it's another COVID-19 meeting. And Christine says it's important because things have changed. Kids can go back to school now, so kids can go back into the classroom. Cody puts his hand up as if he is annoyed that Christine is speaking. In confessional, Cody explains that they're having this meeting and it seems like Christine is just trying to actually run their meeting like she is trying to take charge of it. Cody then says, Christine is getting kind of independent woman now. Cody doesn't like that. It seems as though he perceives it as a threat to himself to have a strong, smart, assertive, independent woman. He wants his women to shut up, obey, and keep sweet. And he wants them to make it convenient for him, the alpha male who doesn't even have the testicular fortitude to bear the cold to see his daughter. Not to mention, he's one to talk. Robin, the favorite wife, has his balls in that sling, wrapped tight. I think Christine should speak up. I would love to hear her speak out more. I think since Christine is such an independent woman, that TLC should give her her own show. So viewers don't have to sit through the annoying toxicity of Robin and Cody. So they don't have to endure the stress of watching that car crash. 
just to watch the good parts with Janelle, Mary, and Christine. I think TLC should give Christine a show. Janelle could be on, the kids too. Mary could show up. It could be light and heartwarming. And I think everyone would love to see Christine's journey. This way, we don't have to stomach the annoyance of the scenes with Robin and Cody anymore. I would love that. Cody says Christine has an attitude that she doesn't need them anymore and that she doesn't have to submit herself to what the group wants. Christine has sacrificed herself for the group for nearly 27 years. Are Cody's panties in a bunch because she rejected him? Is his ego so bruised that she is a strong, independent woman who can build a bigger, better life without his toxicity? Cody doesn't give a flying fuck what the group wants. If he did, he would have compromised and handled COVID differently rather than trying to moonlight as a wannabe dictator. Cody tries to take control of the meeting. He tells Christine and Janelle he hasn't seen them in a while or even Mary. Cody never sees Mary. I love how he adds, or even you, Mary, as if it's a shock that he hasn't seen Mary in a while. Cody asks how North Carolina is, and Janelle says it's great. They're doing great. Two months ago, Janelle decided to plan a trip to North Carolina since Savannah had online school. So they decided to go visit Axel and Evie. Axel and Evie are doing well. They're cute, Janelle says. And Janelle enjoys hanging out. Janelle thinks Cody has his opinions about her traveling, but she has to see her kids. Janelle says Cody can choose and she will choose. She says that's what Cody is always saying. You choose. And she decided, okay, she will choose. Again, Cody is the one making the choice to not be there as a father and a husband. If the wives and kids refuse to be held hostage in their homes and dictated to on how to live, he then blames their choice of living by the CDC guidelines as the reason he will not be present and invested as a father and a husband. Cody is making the choice that it is all or nothing. And then he blames the wives and kids for their choice not to be dictated to and not to be controlled, saying their choice not to obey him and not to live by his protocols means he can't be there. Cody says he's experiencing a wish that he could go see them and he wants to be there. So he lives vicariously through Janelle. Christine is visiting McKelty. McKelty is having contractions now. Robin says she adores McKelty because McKelty came and lived with her when she was engaged to Cody. So they have a close bond. And McKelty invited Robin to be at the birth. And Robin is trying to figure out if there is a way she can go because they are still dealing with COVID crap. So Robin is trying to find a way to work it all out. Christine mentions that the midwife has done 60,000 births. She's very experienced. Cody doubts it. He wants to be argumentative and he wants to make Christine appear to be foolish, even though she's not, as if she exaggerated. He says maybe it's 2,000. He questions 60,000 and Christine says it's insane. He mentions that the midwife is very chill and calm and Cody asks if McKelty is calm. Christine says McKelty is calmer than Tony. Tony isn't a fan of home births. 
His mom only ever had hospital births, and he had never even heard of home births. Janelle says before she met Cody's family, she didn't know that you could have a baby at home. She thought it was a thing of the pioneer olden days from the past, but the recovery at home is miles beyond the recovery in a hospital. Cody says this year the kids have done school online because of COVID-19, and right now they're in the middle of spring break. But after break, the kids can return to school. And Cody prefers the kids do school at home and online over them wearing a mask and going to school. Savannah decided to stay home and stay online. Ari isn't in school yet, and Saul does all of his school online. So all of Robin's kids will do school online. And Isabel wants to go back to school in person. She's a senior, and she doesn't want to stay in Flagstaff after graduation. So she has known that, and so she only has a few more weeks with her friends in Flagstaff. So Christine would like Isabel to go back to school in person, but she doesn't know what that means or if that means that Cody can't come over anymore since Isabel will go back to school. And she asks Cody, is that what that means? Janelle mentions that there will be really strict protocols at school though. And Cody says he doesn't know there are strict protocols at school, but you are still, he says, it's not like going in and out of a grocery store. It's like going into a building in the same room and sitting there for hours, breathing the same air and all that. And Cody says he's really glad that Savannah is staying home because that makes it easier because then they don't have to worry about anything at Janelle's house. But if Isabel is going back to school, then it totally changes everything at Christine's house. Christine asks Cody, so you wouldn't be able to come over and stuff if Isabel went back to school? And Janelle tells Cody she doesn't know, but she thinks then she stops herself and she tells Cody she guesses it's up to him. But in confessional, Janelle says she is feeling really bad for Isabel having to choose between her dad and her friends. Janelle says it frustrates her that Cody is making it so if you go to school, I can't see you because Janelle thinks that's ridiculous. Cody says Isabel will be able to see her friends daily. He says if that's important to her, she should do it, but it will make it so he can't be there. He says the thing is, everybody can do what they want, but he can't be exposed to people. He can't be going from house to house all the time. In confessional, Cody says he feels like Christine is trying to pin him down. And even Janelle is trying to pin him down on what he is going to do because sometimes he feels like they want to catch him in some kind of COVID protocols hypocrisy. So Cody is being super careful about answering them. He wants to see Isabel. He's trying to see how accommodating Christine will be for that because she has traveled like crazy, making it so he wasn't able to see the kids anyway. Cody, Cody, Cody. I get physically exhausted watching him. I feel tired watching him. He's so annoying that it's draining to even hear the man speak. I don't know how these women lived with him for years. I am glad that Janelle is really speaking up. I find a few things interesting here. 
One is that Cody, seeing his wives use their voices and seeing them be more assertive and standing up for themselves and the kids, makes Cody feel cornered. Cody knows what he is doing is fucked up. And Cody knows he has different standards for Robin's kids and all of his other kids in the family. And Cody also knows he treats the kids who obey him, who do things to his liking, he rewards them and treats them better by showing up to some degree. And the kids who don't do things to his liking, the kids who go to school, get punished by his absence. This is very abusive to his kids. It's very damaging to them. Cody is a father, and it's his responsibility to be a father 24-7. He can't decide to only be a father and put in effort if he is happy with his child's behavior and if it conforms to what he dictates. He is choosing to reward his kids, who he perceives as obedient, by being a father and being present. It's cruel, it's manipulative, it's abusive, and it's toxic. It's not appropriate at all to treat your kids differently. Cody wants to feel like he is God to his kids and wives, that they will bend the knee and roll out the red carpet to be dictated to on how to live so he will grace them with his presence and show up as a father and show up as a husband. And anyone who won't bend backwards to be dictated to, Cody shuns. Cody finds it acceptable as a father and a husband to be absent with those people who don't bend the knee. You don't get to only be a parent and a husband to those who please you fully and stroke your ego. Cody is all about Cody. Anyone who doesn't have their tongue up his ass is punished by his refusal to participate as a husband and a father, as if it's an optional part-time job. Now he is putting this on his 17-year-old daughter saying it's her choice if she wants to prioritize him or not. It's not his responsibility to be a full-time, present, invested father. It's on her that he can't show up. He will show up if she proves to him he is her highest priority and if she will bend the knee and stay home from school. If she proves herself by picking Cody over going to school and her friends, then he will show up for a few hours and barely engage. And he will feel like he did his job as a father. That's it. He has done all he is willing and able to do. Cody doesn't want responsibilities. Cody isn't willing to make the effort. He doesn't want to. So what he does is he creates hoops to jump through and he keeps shifting his expectations for his wives and his kids. And if they refuse to meet those expectations and they refuse to pick Cody over having a life, Cody refuses to be there as a decent human to fulfill what he signed up for as a father and a husband. In my opinion, this is about control. If the kids and the wives submit, if they allow Cody to dictate their behavior and how they live their lives, Cody will show up and he'll phone it in. If not, he won't be there at all. He will be completely absent. He will refuse to show up and he will blame his wives and kids as the reason. It's their fault he isn't there. They will not be controlled and that's their fault. For Cody, this is all about power, control, and ego and it's incredibly toxic. It's unfair, it's cruel and abusive. Cody needs to remember what he signed up for and he needs to hold up his end of the deal. 
Cody doesn't want to show up. So he is doing all of this so he doesn't have to show up and he can blame his kids and wives as the reason why and feel justified in his own mind. The reason Cody is not there as a husband and a father isn't COVID. It's not his wives and kids being dangerous and lax with COVID. It's not Cody's fear of COVID. Cody isn't present and invested as a husband and a father because he doesn't want to be, period. And Cody is the only one to blame. Comes up with intentional obstacles to fulfilling his role as a husband and a father. He dictates how the wives and kids need to overcome those obstacles with no compromise. He makes it impossible to meet his demands and then he blames them for why he can't be there. It's Cody's choice to create this obstacle course and he is doing this intentionally, creating barriers he imposes to his ability to show up as a father and a husband because he doesn't want to be there and he wants to blame the kids and wives as to why he can't be there. They have prevented him because they don't value him enough. That's how Cody feels in his sick mind. And it's all about Cody's ego and Cody wanting an excuse to no longer fulfill his responsibilities. The reason Cody feels he has to be careful of what he says is because he knows this is all bullshit. He knows he has different standards for different kids and wives, and he knows that this is all a manipulation for him in order to avoid his responsibilities. So he knows Janelle and Christine could easily catch him in his hypocrisy and his double standards. If Cody was being genuine and sincere, he would not be so worried about being so careful with his words. This man knows this is all bullshit. He knows he doesn't even live by his own protocols and he knows this is just a ploy to avoid what he should be doing as a husband and a father. If this was genuine and Cody was authentic, he wouldn't need to worry about his words at all. He wouldn't feel so cornered by Christine and Janelle. But obviously, somewhere in there, Cody knows he is doing something wrong. And he knows he can get caught with his words and he feels the pressure because he knows he's mistaken. If this is all genuine and authentic, if this is really about COVID and protection and he is being fair and equal, holding everyone in the family to these standards, he would not have to worry about his words at all, in my opinion. Also, Cody mentions that all of Christine's traveling has prevented him from seeing his kids. It has not. Cody has the ability to see his kids even socially distanced outside with a mask on at any time. He wants to see how accommodating Christine will be to facilitate him seeing the kids. In other words, Cody wants to punish Christine and the kids by not showing up if Christine doesn't do shit to obey him and stroke his ego and make it more convenient for him to see his kids. And he also wants to set a narrative that Christine keeps him from the kids. It's not his choice not to be there. It's that Christine keeps him from his kids. And I think he wants to do this probably to set the stage to create an issue about Christine keeping Cody from having access to Truly to try and make her look like the bad guy. In my opinion, that's the bullshit 
narrative that Cody is trying to paint, but we all know that's not the case. Frankly, Cody knows anytime he likes, he would be welcome to visit any of his kids, including Truly. And Cody knows it's up to him alone to make the effort. He is welcome anytime. Christine would never prevent access to any of the kids. It's up to Cody to make the effort. But Cody won't do it even though he's welcome anytime because it's not convenient for him to visit. And he will try and frame it as Christine making it difficult for him to have access when the only thing preventing Cody from seeing his kids is Cody himself and his laziness and his unwillingness to inconvenience himself. And that's Cody's issue. Christine has nothing to do with it. Christine bent over backwards last episode trying to make it convenient for Cody to help Isabel move to North Carolina for college. She gave him options and she made it clear she would prioritize Cody's preferences should he be willing to make the effort, saying she would change her plans to accommodate him. And Cody came up with bullshit excuses that we will get into later as to why he can't commit to that. Cody has no intention of going to help Isabel move. Christine does not keep the kids from Cody whatsoever. Cody chooses not to be there. And let's remember, Cody only showed up for three full days out of 800. He does not call regularly, and when he does show up, it's for a few hours where he barely phones it in, and he creates stress and tension. It's not a fun visit for anyone, and it's sporadic. Christine mentions it hasn't been fair and equal time from Cody since Vegas. She also mentions that she and her kids can tell that Cody prefers to be elsewhere when he visits and it feels as if he's doing a chore or an obligation. And they can all see how much he wants to be at Robin's and how invested he is there. The kids can feel the double standard and the preference Cody has for Robin's kids as well. Robin's kids are the only kids he mentions and refers to as his kids. He doesn't relegate Robin's kids as just Robin's kids. He will refer to those kids as my kids or our kids. He also made it clear to Robin's kids, if they stay home, he can see them. And they discussed it and they decided to stay home. Brianna decided to stay home. And we learned that with Isabel, Cody didn't even talk to her to mention that if she stayed home and if she did online school, he would come visit her. Yet, he took the time to do that with Robin's kids. So it's clear he wants to see Robin's kids, but he didn't even make the effort at all with Isabel. He didn't bother. He wasn't as invested in spending time with her. It was fine if Isabel wanted to go to school. The kids feel that, they see that, and it's very cruel and unfair, and it's very damaging. Favoritism of a child makes the other siblings feel unworthy. It can affect their self-worth. It can affect their ability to trust. It can affect their level of confidence in themselves and how lovable they feel they are. And these issues can last into adulthood. These issues can be lifelong. I don't think Kotex is cognizant of the extent of the damage he is doing to his kids and the lasting effects the damage will have, all because of his ego all for control, all to better suit his selfish convenience.
Janelle wonders when Cody will feel like he can have a normal life again. She asks, at what point? At what point will the infection rate be low enough? She wonders, at what point is that point? In confessional, Janelle asks, what are your chances really of getting the virus from Isabel who goes to school and is completely no contact? Janelle says she is crossing a line, but it frustrates her so much that she can't keep her mouth shut. Janelle wonders when Cody will feel he can have a normal life again. In confessional, Janelle says it frustrates her that Cody is making it so if his kids go to school, he can't see them. She thinks it's ridiculous. Cody says that point is when he feels comfortable that he couldn't get it and then spread it to somebody else. Even if you get vaccinated, you can still get COVID. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Most of the people I know who are vaccinated have gotten COVID regardless, and you can not get vaccinated and never get COVID too. There is no 100% safeguard. And for most people, COVID is like a more intense flu, and it sucks and you get through it. It's not worth all of this fear and all of these rules. You can pass from COVID, but most of the people who pass from COVID have serious health issues. Most people who get COVID live. Cody is treating this as if COVID is a guaranteed death sentence, and it isn't at all. No matter what, Cody will never be 100% safeguarded. He drives a car. Does he worry every second that he could die, that someone could hit him? Last time we saw him driving, he had one hand on the wheel and the phone to his ear with the other hand, driving very distractedly. So he doesn't seem all that fearful, like the fearful type. He drove his motorcycle with no helmet on. He doesn't seem to fear things that are more probable to kill you than COVID. And he isn't about protecting the kids from death either. If that's what this was about, if he was protecting the kids, he would have gone to Isabel's surgery. At the moment of her surgery, she was the kid in clear danger in the present closest to death or at the most risk for a serious health complication. He likes to see himself and he styles himself as the protector of the family, yet he wasn't able to be there to support his daughter during her surgery. In my opinion, Cody isn't protecting the kids. He isn't afraid of COVID. He doesn't fear death. He wants to create hoops to avoid having to do anything that inconveniences him. And being a husband and a father at four homes really inconveniences him. So COVID and his fear and his protocols 
is Cody's way to free himself of his obstacles to his goals in life, his family. This man isn't afraid of spreading COVID. He is selfish and lazy. And rather than be a man who is there for his wives and kids during a scary time for the whole world, Cody prefers to use the pandemic as a way to manipulate a situation to try and feel justified in no longer fulfilling his responsibilities, hurting his family, and damaging all of the relationships he has in the process. But finally, finally, he gets to live monogamy with Robin. He doesn't care what price the family pays so he can have his freedom and his convenience. Cody says he isn't worried about himself being sick. He says even though he has health goals, he wants to be able to focus on. He's not worried about himself getting sick. He wants everybody to make their choice. But he is really feeling awkward because you can hear it in Janelle and Christine's voices. He hears this sort of nuance, this sarcasm of, well, are you going to keep doing what you're doing because it's really stupid compared to what we think? Cody says it's this snotty little attitude about the rules and stuff like that. And he's tired of the snotty attitude, so he is just being supportive, saying, Isabel, go do your thing, figure it out. It's interesting to me that Cody is tired of the sarcasm and the snotty attitudes Christine and Janelle have. Because ever since the pandemic started, even though Janelle, Christine, and their kids have all followed CDC guidelines to the best of their abilities, Cody has had a condescending, cynical tone and a disgusting attitude towards all of them. He puts them down repeatedly. He calls them irresponsible and lax. He shames them on TV as if they are putting others at risk with their risky behavior because they are so irresponsible about the pandemic. He tries to make them look bad surrounding the pandemic and how they chose to handle it as if they aren't doing anything when although they refuse his dictates and the nanny's protocols, they do follow the CDC guidelines. Last episode, Cody lied on his family. He even suggested that people in his family feel COVID is fake when no one ever said that at all. And Janelle and Christine confirmed that they never said COVID was fake. They know that it's real. So Cody needs to suck it up and take the attitude and the tone because he is an idiot and he deserves to be treated as such. He had such a condescending, disrespectful attitude since the pandemic started and he wanted to throw his kids and wives under the bus the last two seasons, talking shit about them on TV because they refused to bend the knee. It seems to me Cody can dish it out, but he can't take it. He's too tender and sensitive that even a hint of a tone upsets him. He's a fragile, fragile man. By the way, Cody mentions his health goals. His body is gross. We all saw it when he jumped into the drainage ditch. He doesn't look good, and we know he thinks he looks great, and we've seen scenes of his workouts. And we know from Robin that he flexes in the mirror, asking if he looks bigger, per Robin on the honeymoon special. Cody is an old man getting older, and if he wants to worry about his health, he really needs to consider his mental health and his brain function, because regardless of what your shell looks like, if you're not playing with a full deck, you're fucked. Maybe Cody should consider his mental health. 
I doubt he thinks there is a problem, though. Robin says in confessional that in her head, Cody's relationship with his kids is more important than anything else. No one wants to be in this woman's head. The Shira voices, the auditory hallucinations, saying I love you to a man on a phone call with another wife who never said I love you first, the emotional roller coasters, the warped perceptions. Robin doesn't care about Cody or his relationships with his kids. If she did care, she would have encouraged Cody to go to Isabel's surgery or to give all of his wives and kids equal time and investment. She would not throw Gabe and Garrison under the bus any chance she gets time and time again. She wouldn't gaslight the wives on TV to enable her manipulative, abusive, toxic POS husband to behave as he does. She wouldn't lie and say she isn't the favorite and accept that position. Robin doesn't care about Cody's kids. In a second, she is about to say that it's stupid for Isabel to go to school. If she cares about the kids and their relationships, she wouldn't love blaming them and calling them out every chance she gets to paint her narrative. As the victim of this family unaccepted by some of her sister wives and their kids. That's not true. But that's the narrative Robin wants to spin. And any chance she gets, she sets the narrative for Cody, trying to make it look like his behavior isn't the problem. It's the wives and kids' decisions that are the problem. And that's why he's absent. Robin is manipulative. She's divisive. And every time this woman speaks, look at her words and compare them to her actions and you will see the truth. Robin understands Isabel's desire to return to school. But she is really, really concerned about this, and it's something that she just finds really, really stupid. Listen, Robin isn't the sharpest tool in the shed by any stretch of the imagination. If she finds something stupid, in my opinion, that would indicate, based on her ability to think critically and her weak grasp on reality, that if she perceives something as stupid, it's probably the opposite of that. This is the same woman who attempted to convince viewers last episode that she isn't the favorite wife and that she doesn't get more time than the other wives. She says Cody is always going, running around, and that the wives perceive that they are getting less time and it's not true. It's just because they're in a bad place, struggling with Cody, so they focus on the bad and they project that onto reality. And the reality is everyone gets fair time. That is Robin's gaslighting in her attempt to reset the narrative that Cody is at her place by default because the wives' decisions not to follow his protocols and the wives' decisions not to be dictated to tie Cody's hands behind his back so he just can't be there. It's impossible. And the wives are keeping him from his ability to be there as a father and a husband. She enables Cody and his abuse and his neglect of his family. And she blames the family for their decisions that prevent Cody from being there. When this is Cody's choice and it's on Cody. It's his fault he is absent. He is the only one who can fix that. She thinks she is being so smart trying to frame the narrative to put herself and Cody in what she thinks is a better light. And all it shows is Robin's character, in my opinion. Cody wants to know when Isabel is thinking of going back to school. Christine doesn't know. 
Isabel is back in Flagstaff with Gwendolyn and Christine is in Utah and she assumes Isabel will resume in-class school right away. Cody says he was going to go see Isabel and Gwendolyn and Isabel told him she had gone to school and he asks if Isabel went to get a COVID test and Christine doesn't know. Cody says Isabel told him she was going to talk to her mom about getting a test scheduled. If Isabel isn't feeling symptoms, just because she goes to school, it's not reasonable to have her go every week or two to continually check for COVID. Christine tells Cody Isabel has the link to go get tested and she's 17 so she can go by herself. And Cody says he's going to have to talk to Isabel. My guess is, and this is just pure speculation, that Isabel is so heartbroken after her dad could not go to her surgery and after she could not be allowed at Robin's during her recovery to see her dad and after he refused to commit to helping her move away to college that maybe she isn't too crazy about seeing her dad right now. So perhaps she resents Cody big time now and maybe she prefers peace of mind to seeing his face. So maybe she said she has to get a test first and her mom is away and she has to talk to her mom about it, knowing full well that she could always go herself because maybe she doesn't want to see her dad. And if that's the case, Cody made his bed. It's ridiculous for Cody to expect a COVID test every time he wants to show up just so he can make it for an hour or two to see her at his convenience to barely engage just to feel better about himself, basically. Christine tells Cody again that Isabel is 17. She can schedule her own test. And Cody says, some people just don't do that stuff. As if Isabel and Christine are irresponsible people who ignore basic responsibilities. He's projecting, yes, Kotex, some people just don't do that stuff. That's right, like how after they knew the nanny was sick, they still held that party at Robin's house and that was the first point of exposure for the whole family. Robin didn't seem to bother to sanitize or test herself and Cody and the kids before the party where the whole family gathered. Some people just don't do that stuff. Some people just don't show up at their daughter's surgery when it's not optional for the father. Some people just don't have sex with their wife and they then use sex as a leverage to try and manipulate that wife's behavior with another wife for sex to become an option again as a reward for good behavior. Some people just don't feel they have to be present as a father and a husband and fully invested with all of their wives and kids 24-7 whether or not all of the relationships are in a good place. Some people just don't do that stuff. And some people is Cody himself, the ramen-haired king and his sidekick, Morticia Adams, with the raccoon eyes and the butcher knife eyebrows. In confessional, Cody says, this is what he is talking about with Christine rejecting everything they used to do. He says Christine would normally set this up so that he could go over and see Isabel while she is gone. Christine is not preventing Cody from seeing his daughter. He could sit outside, socially distanced, and see her just fine. Now he wants to blame Christine, who is in Utah, for why he can't go see Isabel, 
who lives minutes away from him, and he can see Isabel. Nothing is stopping him. Cody is choosing not to show up, and he wants to blame Christine for it, when Christine has nothing to do with this. Cody is pissed that this isn't convenient for him, and he wants the test to be an excuse as to why he isn't showing up, and Isabel, maybe, is using the test as a way to avoid her dad. But Cody doesn't seem to get that he is such an abusive dickface that now people really don't want to see him anymore. Cody says Christine has all of Isabel's info, so he wonders why she can't book the testing to help him out. It's not Christine's job to facilitate Cody's relationships with his older kids. It's Cody's job to call Isabel and facilitate the connection and the relationship with her. Cody is using the test as an excuse when it isn't. He could easily wear a mask and see his kids. He could see her socially distanced outside the house, and he knows that. He could call Isabel and plan a time to see her and ask her to please take a COVID test first. He's triangulating Christine into his relationship with Isabel to try and make it seem like she's another barrier to him getting to Isabel when it's not her responsibility to facilitate things between Cody and Isabel. Christine says she is in St. George and the girls are in Flagstaff and she told them that hopefully their dad will reach out when he wants to come over so they can get COVID tested. But then Cody never told the girls when he was planning to visit so that they could get tested. Christine says they're not going to go get COVID tested every single day, hoping and thinking that Cody is going to come over. Robin opens her mouth after her silence during this conference call. She was waiting to see what the conversation was before she decided anything at all. Right now, Saul and Brianna are doing school online, and she wanted to see how the conversation went before anything else was decided, but it sounds like school needs to be online. Cody interjects that he specifically asked that Brianna and Saul not go back to school. In confessional, Christine mentions how Cody asked Brianna not to go back to school in person because he wants to be around her, but he says Isabel can go back to school. Christine says Isabel would love a phone call from her dad saying, can you please not go back to school in person so I can come to see you? Or for him to call and ask, could you please get COVID tested so I can come over and hang out with you because I really miss you? Christine says it's really hard for her that Cody doesn't call Isabel and talk to her in person. He doesn't even text her. Christine tells Cody she will let Isabel know that she can just make the choice. And she lets Cody know it's tough. It's really unfair to make your child decide between seeing you or going to school. It's abusive and inappropriate and it should never be a choice a child should ever be expected to make. Cody says she will have to know the choice and what she is choosing. In confessional, Cody says Brianna is not as social as Isabel is, especially during senior year. Isabel already told Cody that she was interested in seeing her friends. She wanted to see her friends, and she was struggling with being unable to see her friends. And Cody says there's a difference with where Isabel is at and what she wants. He wants to blame Isabel and make it all or nothing, and it isn't right. She can choose school in person and friends, 
or she can choose to see her dad during the last few months of her time in Flagstaff. And he wants to blame Isabel for choosing her friends, and he wants to make it clear that if she makes that choice to go back to school in person, then she gets zero of his time and zero percent of his effort and investment. And it's on Cody to be there and to be a father and to give Isabel what she needs from him as her father. It's not appropriate to not be present and invested as her father should she decide to go to in-person classes. It's not Isabel's choice to go to school and be with her friends that prevents Cody from seeing her and being invested as a father. And it's wrong to put that on his 17-year-old daughter. It's on Cody as a father to be there no matter what, to compromise and to make the effort 100%. It's not on Isabel not choosing her dad. And that's how Cody wants to frame it. That if he was important enough to Isabel, she wouldn't go to school and he could be there. That's not the case. Cody is the adult Cody is the father and he cannot make hoops for his kids to jump through that he rewards with being a father sometimes when he feels like it. He has to be a present, invested, supportive father, full-time, 24-7 to all of his kids. And Cody is the one making the choice as the adult to not be there and to not be a decent, invested father. And that choice is on him and no one else. Cody can be there if he wants to be, regardless of whether Isabel does school in person or not. And Cody knows that he is making the choice not to be there because he doesn't play with a full deck, in my opinion. Danelle suggests to Cody that he can still go see Isabel and be apart from her, socially distanced, six feet apart in the backyard. And Cody says that hasn't worked in the winter. And he has been really glad that he has been able to go in the house and visit his kids. In confessional, Cody says he can do that, meaning stay outside being socially distanced. But that's been a real inconvenience so far, and it's still not that warm. He says the thing is, they are doing that, and he is willing to do that. It's been a bit of an inconvenience for him. He needs Isabel to just make her own choice and to not feel bitter about anyone else having to react to that choice. So he doesn't want Isabel to be bitter that she chose school and because she chose school over him, he won't be there and it's on her. He wants to remove the accountability completely off him and put it on his 17-year-old daughter as to why he can't be there present as a father. Janelle points out that it's getting to be spring now and Christine says, Sitting outside might be the best situation for all of them then. And Cody points out that it was snowing when they started this call. It's too inconvenient for Cody because it would be too cold, so he just won't see her. He can't attend her surgery. He can't help her move to North Carolina. He wondered when he was confronted with that if gas stations would be open. He said it would be tricky with the pandemic. But has Cody not filled up his car with gas during this whole pandemic? Or does the nanny do that too? The whole fucking pandemic, the gas stations were open. What the fuck is the man saying? He now is disappointing Isabel yet again, punishing her for his resentment towards her mom. And it is just way too inconvenient for him to see her outside, which would suit his rules 
perfectly because it's too cold for him. Someone needs to put some hair on this man's chest. It's too cold? I thought he was an alpha male for fuck's sake. Get a fucking jacket. Buy a space heater for outside. Guess what? Cody can take the cold perfectly well when it's convenient for him. He's done it several times on the show. There are several examples when the cold hasn't been too inconvenient for Cody. And we will go over those times when it was not too convenient for Cody to withstand the cold in the past on the show. He can be in the cold to go sledding. He can be in the cold to go ice blocking. But it's too cold for Cody to sit outside to see Isabel. It's too inconvenient. Did Cody get weaker? He had no problem being in the cold before for activities that were convenient to him that he wanted to do. But Cody really doesn't want to see Isabel or he would throw on a fucking jacket and get a space heater and man the fuck up. If Cody can handle ice blocking and snowmobiling and sledding, he can handle to sit outside with his daughter and light a fire and get a jacket. This is a real pussy move and I've honestly never seen anything quite like this. He's just making excuses. Everyone goes out in the snow and he goes out in the snow. Skiing, snowboarding, sledding, ice blocking. Do you remember when he went skiing with Mary or when they got the cabin around Christmas and everyone went sledding? What about when the family went ice blocking? He wasn't too cold in the snow and the ice then, but suddenly it's too cold to throw on a jacket to spend time with his kids and to spend time with Isabel. Cody just doesn't want to be there and he wants to take his anger towards his ex-wife out on his kids with her. His behavior is that of a spineless sissy. Have some balls. Man up. He said he was an alpha male. I thought he was an alpha male. Listen, the cold is not stopping him. He doesn't care to be there. He doesn't want to be there. And he should be ashamed of himself. This is now beyond any dignity. He has zero self-respect. The alpha male afraid of the cold. I never heard of that before. Cody mentions he needs Isabel to just make her own choice and to not feel bitter about anybody else having to react to that choice. Cody doesn't seem to understand he is the one making the choice to only feel it is necessary to be present and invested as a father and a husband as a reward when the kids and wives bend the knee or do things to his liking. Then he is willing to show up as a father and a husband as a reward for them obeying him. If not, Cody feels it's appropriate to totally disengage and then to blame his wives and his kids for why he can't be present and fulfill his role as a husband and a father. These are all hoops Cody is imposing. He is making the choice to refuse to compromise and to dictate, do things my way or I will not be there as a father and a husband. I will neglect. I will disengage. Cody is making this choice when showing up as a father and a husband isn't a reward for good behavior. And showing up as a father and a husband is a full-time job 24-7. It's not part-time and it certainly isn't optional. Cody is making the choice not to be a father and a husband. And none of the choices his wives and kids make have any bearing on Cody's behavior 
or on Cody's position as a father and a husband in the family. It's Cody's job to be invested and present in the role of a husband and in the role as a father. And none of the choices his wives and kids make are responsible for his inability to be present and invested as a father and as a husband. He wants to put it on Isabel, his 17-year-old daughter, to choose. And then he wants her to know that if she chooses school, he is making the choice to punish her by neglecting her as a father. And it's her responsibility and it's her fault he cannot be present and invested as her father. And her emotions and her struggles with his absence are then her fault because she made that choice to go to school. No, that's not how it works. And that is very cruel and abusive and manipulative and it's fucked up. It is not on Cody's kids to behave certain ways to his liking so he will be willing to show up for a few hours to play dad. This is on Cody as the father to always be there no matter what. And all of the responsibility and all of the blame for him being absent as a husband and a father is only on him. It's not on his kids and it's not on his wives. It's his choice. This is his choice to not be there. And he doesn't get to avoid the accountability of not being there by trying to blame his wives and kids for refusing to be controlled and refusing to jump through his hoops that keep moving on the treadmill. Cody really needs to go get beeped. At this point, he's an embarrassment to all of humanity and the way he feels it's acceptable to put this on his daughter is sickening. He should feel ashamed of himself and his mental instability is really hurting the people around him. And if Cody doesn't get help for the void between his ears, he will burn every bridge he has ever built. And when he finds himself humbled and alone, scraping at the bottom of the barrel, no one will be around and no one will be willing to rebuild the bridge. And he will stew alone in his misery, simmering in his thoughts, reflecting in his solitude. And he will want his obstacles. He will beg for his obstacles. He will wish and pray for the obstacles to his goals in life. And no one will have time to pick up the phone. It will be far too late. In confessional, Janelle says it's hard to not take it personally that Cody doesn't want to come over. So she said it's his kid and she says the weather is getting better. It's spring. Go see her in the backyard. Call her on the phone. Cody gets that this is important for Isabel, but truly is really excited to see him every time he goes home. In confessional, Cody says, people have what they do to interact. They make effort or they don't. And when it comes to smaller children, he wants to make an effort. Cody says there is a bitterness in what he has and in what he feels is unfair to him while trying to go through this process and try his best to make it fair for everybody else. There's more for him to consider here and there always has been more than Christine and her needs. Cody says teenage kids don't need parents quite like preteens do. Robin straight up rolled her eyes sitting beside Kotex as he said that. Cody goes on to say that the fact that he and Truly have these long conversations 
They talk about what she's doing and stuff like that. And she is actually engaging him. That's still an important factor. It's important for Truly and it's important for him. What Cody is doing, in my opinion, is he is bringing up Truly, who he calls more often, who he engages with, to deflect from his absence as a father for the older kids and to excuse it. He wants to try and look like a really good father. He says the teenagers and the older kids don't need their parents like the younger kids do. And that is not true. Cody wants to let himself off the hook for his shit relationships and the lack of effort he makes with the older kids. We know Cody is very interested in the kids when they adore him and when they view him as their hero when they are small. But as they grow, when they become more critical and it becomes inconvenient for him, when he is no longer perfect in his kids' eyes, as the kids age, Cody becomes less interested and he disengages because he doesn't love unconditionally. And his ego can't take constructive criticism. It becomes inconvenient. And Cody takes anything but blind worship as disrespect and disloyalty. And then he cuts his kids off. The kids need their dad at all ages, even as fully grown adults. The relationship might change and what the kids need from their dad might change as they age, but they still need their dad. And it's not up to Cody's older kids to connect with Cody. It's up to Cody to foster those relationships and to communicate and to maintain those bonds. The responsibility isn't on Cody's kids or on the wives. It's on Cody and his older kids need Cody just as much as his little ones. Cody tries to deflect by saying the relationship with Isabel isn't as important. He wants to focus on the smaller kids. The older kids don't need him because Cody disengages from the older kids when he has to make more of an effort to stay connected, when it becomes too inconvenient for him. So he focuses on the little kids because it's simple and convenient. They don't yet notice Cody's flaws and his faults. They see Cody as perfect. It's convenient. It's easy. It's great for Cody's ego. Cody mentions how he's trying to make it fair for everyone, but it's unfair to him as he's trying to make an effort because he has more than just Christine and her kids to attend to, and Isabel is just too inconvenient. How hard is it to get a jacket and gloves and a space heater? How hard is it to regularly call and text your kids or to plan ahead and say, I'm coming X day, please have your test by then? It's simple. And Cody is the one making it much harder than it has to be. He does it intentionally, in my opinion. Everything is about Cody, how it's just so unfair for him. He's so put out. He's so inconvenienced. But he never stops to consider how his disgusting behavior and mental state affect everyone around him in detrimental ways. He only sees himself, and it's a full-time job for Cody to coddle his ego. He can't be inconvenienced by anything else. He doesn't have the time and he doesn't have the capacity for much more than that. He's emotionally lazy. He can't dare put himself in the shoes of his kids or the shoes of his wives to imagine how they feel. He wouldn't dare, but he wants everyone to bend backwards to consider him. He is the one who signed up for this. 
He signed up for the faith. He signed up to live plural marriage. He married four women. He had almost 20 kids. He created this family. He told his wives he could do this. He was capable. He had almost 20 kids, and now he wants to treat it like a burden, as if his presence as a father and a husband is optional when he knows it's a full-time job and it's mandatory and his presence is not a reward for good behavior to those in the family who are obedient enough. In confessional, Mary says she doesn't disagree with Cody that the younger kids need him. It's very important, but she also believes very strongly that all of his children need him. And Mary sometimes wonders if Cody realizes that. Even Mary, who has kept her mouth shut regarding Cody, is willing to speak if it comes to the kids. In Robin's confessional, she doesn't want to criticize Cody, but she just disagrees. She thinks that kids need their parents for the rest of their lives, and she knows for a fact that some of their older kids need their dad. At this point in the conference call, Janelle has to go. She has reached her limit and she excuses herself from the call because she can hear the babies in the background and because of the time zone in North Carolina. In confessional, Janelle says she has pretty much washed her hands of this conversation. She thinks everyone is just going to do what they're going to do. So she will do what she is going to do. Cody tells the ladies to wrap it up and he wishes the ladies safe travels as he flashes a double peace sign. The irony of which is not lost on me. The man who brings the most chaos and discord flashing the peace sign. Christine has more unanswered questions at the end of this conversation than she did at the beginning of the conversation. And she asks, really, is this all going to be on Isabel's decision whether she sees her dad or her friends? Christine says that seems like a very hard decision for a 17 year old kid. It's not a choice any reasonable parent would ever put on their child. It's unfair, it's cruel, and it's abusive in my opinion. And Cody should feel deeply ashamed for ever even considering that it was appropriate to frame it as all or nothing to try and place the blame on his child for his ineptitude as a father and for his inability to show up. It's embarrassing for Cody as a human being. He doesn't respect himself and he doesn't have any dignity at all to ever even consider this. Mary is on her way to her mom's house. Mary's mom got sick a week ago and she had been having a heart attack for a few days. She is coding and they are working on her. And Mary has five hours to get there and it's going to take her five hours just to drive there. This is so sad. It's heartbreaking. My first thought was, why didn't Mary just fly? But maybe the weather is inclement. Maybe there isn't a flight. I don't know. Mary says her mom has been in the hospital for two days. They've been working on her, but it's not looking good. Mary is crying, understandably, and she isn't ready to lose her mom. Mary's mom seemed like a very sweet and wise lady. She seemed very kind. And a few times she was on the show and I always thought that she was very sweet. May she rest in peace. Mary says her mom is only 76 and Mary called Cody when she was in the car on the way and Cody knew her mom wasn't doing well and that she was in the hospital and she told him that she was on her way up there. 
Cody says Bonnie was his first mother-in-law and Cody thinks he fell in love with her first. He says she's the sweetest lady. Cody is smiling from his eyes so we know this is genuine when he's remembering her so I believe it's really authentic and I know from the book Becoming Sister Wives that when Mary had a crush on Cody before they were formally courting Cody would go to Mary's and spend time talking with her mom so much so that Mary didn't know if Cody was there for her or to hang out with her mom. There is a flashback to Cody and Bonnie talking and Bonnie tells Cody it's amazing to see his family together. She tells him that he has a united family and she says, yes, they have their problems. Yes, there are personality conflicts. Yes, there will always be things to work on, but they are a united family. Cody says Bonnie was always warm to him, so he had a great experience having her as a mother-in-law. Mary got a call an hour after she left that her mom passed. Mary is upset and she doesn't know how to do this because it was so quick and it was so unexpected and it's not supposed to happen this way. Mary says her mom was the most giving person that she knew. She was an amazing person. Her mom was her dad's first wife and like any plural marriage, things aren't easy. Over the years, a couple of the wives had left. There were separations in their family and that was really hard for her mom because her mom wanted to grow old with her sister wives and she didn't have that. Janelle says their culture very much reveres matriarchs because the women who live in their faith become very strong and independent. Janelle had a lot of affection for Bonnie. Cody is brokenhearted about Bonnie's passing. He says she was a blessing in all of their lives and she was a blessing in Mary's life, not just as a mom, but as a person who was there for Mary. So it's a sad occasion. And I think when Cody films this scene, he is at Mary's Inn just based on the room and the decor. And he's in a tie dressed up. So it looks to me like Cody had the decency to be there for his mother-in-law's service. And I am glad that he showed up for Bonnie and that he respected Mary enough to be there. Mary really needed her people. That's devastating when someone you are very close with and deeply, deeply bonded with passes and you always remember that person. They never leave you. And the scar may heal. It may be less painful, but it's always there and you miss them as long as you live. And so I am very glad that Cody showed up for Bonnie and for Mary in this time. Of course, it should be a given, but when the bar is so low that Cody thinks his daughter's surgery is optional, it becomes a pleasant surprise that he would show up to the funeral of his mother-in-law. Robin says Bonnie always treated her like they knew each other forever. Every time Robin was around Bonnie, it was a sweet experience and she always made Robin feel welcome. Christine says her mom and Bonnie knew each other well. They were friends and after her mom left their church, people didn't know what to do with her. Christine didn't know what to do with her and Bonnie always pushed Christine to reconcile with her mom. Always. And that's just Bonnie to the core, Christine says. Mary is so sad she doesn't even know what to do. Leo and Audrey came and they hung out all day and it was good to have them there and there have been lots of tears. Mary has no idea what to do or what the rest of her life will look like. 
she doesn't know about the BNB, there is a lot she doesn't know and that she will have to figure out because her mom has always been there and Mary will miss her a lot. It's now April 3rd and McKelty is in labor. Robin couldn't be at the birth in person because of COVID, but it was important for McKelty to have Robin there, so Christine arranged to have Robin there on a conference call so that Robin can see what's happening. McKelty isn't having her dad at the birth because it feels weird to have her dad there with her legs open and she felt uncomfortable about it. She had her moms, Christine and Robin, there because she is a lot closer and more bonded to them than she is with Janelle and Mary and she wants the birth to be about her. Robin and McKelty have a special bond. Christine explains that when Robin came into the family, she immediately embraced McKelty and Christine will always love and respect Robin for her relationship with McKelty. McKelty says she moved in with Robin when her dad and Robin were first courting because Robin needed help with the kids for school. She needed help around the house. So McKelty lived with Robin for a couple months and that is why she is so close still with Robin and her kids because of that special time they all had together. Christine assumes that Robin knows that her relationship with Cody is over because Cody moved all of his stuff from her garage. She doesn't know how much Robin knows. They haven't talked with all of the adults about everything yet. She doesn't know exactly the extent of what Robin knows, and it doesn't matter because the focus is on McKelty. They are both there for McKelty, and that's all that matters. McKelty looks great. She has her hair braided. She has a cute dress on. Tony looks like he is the one who is about to give birth with his belly and his crazy hair. His hair looks so ridiculous. It's just frizz. There's no brushing. There's no conditioning. No nothing. He looks like a hot mess. I wonder how Tony looks in the mirror and thinks that that hair works for him. He and Cody have a lot in common, I guess. Tony is nervous about the home birth. He is more nervous than McKelty. Cody gets it because it's a paradigm shift. Cody has been using that phrasing paradigm shift last episode and this episode. It's his new word. Cody gets it because it's a paradigm shift. Years ago, when Cody was younger, his mom, who had all of her children in the hospital, started advocating for home births. Logan was born in the hospital, but then the other moms, Christine and Mary, wanted home births. Christine had five home births and truly in the hospital, and they were all great experiences. Janelle had half of her kids at home and half in the hospital, and she would take home births hands down over the hospital experiences. Her recovery and everything was just so much better at home. Mary had Leo at home, and the midwife was part of a team with her husband. Mary says they were great, so she only ever experienced a home birth. All of Robin's kids were birthed at home with midwives, but with Aurora, Aurora was birthed into a pool of water. Robin says it was intense. Tony mentions that the midwife says husbands have dropped babies before. Robin is on the phone and she says, yeah, if you're nervous and shaking, but she says Tony is a calm guy. Tony says the baby could be slippery from the poop and the amniotic fluid, and he wonders, what if the baby really smells because she has poop on her? 
because women poop sometimes when they give birth. Tony says the midwife told him that sometimes babies slip. And he is not a nurse. She is a nurse. She is a pro. And if a pro can drop a baby, Tony can absolutely drop a baby accidentally. So it makes him nervous. The producer asks if Tony has any strategies to not drop the baby. And Tony suggests having a pillow underneath. Christine says Tony is concerned. And watching him, she thinks he is beginning to realize there is nothing he can do to protect McKelty from the pain that she will have during labor. And he is starting to realize how intense it will be getting. Christine says if McKelty wanted Cody here, even on the screen, she would be great with that. Whatever McKelty wants to happen is what Christine will make happen. No problem. But McKelty and Tony decided not to have Cody there, and it has nothing to do with her. Christine says she would never make that call. Robin says in confessional that she knows there are strange things happening between Cody and Christine right now. But she knows Christine wants to be present for McKelty, and she does too. She hopes Cody and Christine can get things worked out. She says it's not her business, but she knows she is just supposed to stay out of it. McKelty was in labor all day, and still there's no baby. McKelty is tired, and it's hard, and there's no baby yet. Robin says McKelty is working so hard right now, but Tony is working equally as hard, and every time McKelty is going through a contraction, Tony is pushing and rubbing her back, and McKelty can't do a contraction without him. McKelty's water broke on the toilet, and Christine says this is a good thing, so now the baby will move down, and now the birth will progress. Robin can tell this is starting to really hurt McKelty, and she says as a mom, you want to take the pain for her, and they haven't even gotten to the hard part yet. This is just the middle, but it's a lot. Christine says, this is a home birth with no pain meds, just completely natural, and it's hard to watch her daughter in pain. It's hard to watch a labor, but McKelty is doing a good job. She's amazing, and she wanted the home birth so bad, and there isn't much Christine can do. It's all on McKelty. Christine explains, in birth, there are a couple numbers to look for. One is effaced and one is dilated. So you have to be at a 10. The baby's head is usually 10 centimeters. Robin says McKelty is her baby, even though she is Christine's baby first, and it's hard to see your baby in pain. Christine took a photo of the baby's head coming out in order to show Robin where they are at in the process so that Robin knows what to say or how to help at this point in the process. The midwife says the baby's heartbeat is so low, so she needs McKelty to push, and the cord was wrapped around Avalon three or four times. McKelty has been pushing, and the baby gets yo-yoed back up, and Christine says that can't happen anymore because her heart rate dropped. Christine says it was terrifying to hear that they lost the baby's heartbeat. Avalon Asa Padron was born, and Christine says they don't call it the miracle of life for nothing. Christine is so proud of Tony and McKelty. She says they're an incredible team. Robin wishes she could have been at the birth, 
but it was so special for her to still be a part of it. And she says, even though McKelty isn't her biological child, she is still Robin's and it's a blessing Robin gets from living plural marriage. The actual pushing part was intense and fast and Christine doesn't remember her births being that intense. Christine says watching McKelty in pain was harder for her than watching Maddie in labor, but as soon as Avalon was born, it felt the same. So Christine doesn't know if the biological mom thing makes a difference. Tony was amazing. He was very supportive of McKelty. And Tony says McKelty did an amazing job. She powered through it. She endured and it's special. Christine says it's one of the most humbling things to watch in this life to watch your kids become parents. It's instantaneous. And she says Avalon will have the best parents. Christine is excited for the rest of McKelty and Tony's adventure together. Next time on Sister Wives, Christine is telling her sister wives that she is leaving Cody. The sister wives and Cody are all present. Robin is emotional and dramatic asking, this is what you're going to talk to us about? And Christine answers, yeah. Mary isn't happy right now. She isn't happy with this situation. Janelle asks, how do we unravel something that's been together for this long? And Christine says, there isn't an unraveling. Mary says, it's not that easy. Mary asks, come on, you guys. When will we all just get our heads out of our butts? Janelle asks, what about Truly? And Christine says she thinks Truly will be fine and she's going to miss everybody, of course, and it's going to be hard taking Truly away from Cody. Cody interjects that Christine can't take Truly from him because they will have a shared custody. It'll have to be 50-50. In confessional, Christine says, hell, he could have had 50-50 time with us the whole fucking time we lived here. Wow. What an episode that will be. Of course, I agree with Christine. My sense is that Cody will now try to play father of the year and that he will frame it as Christine preventing him from being able to see truly when Cody knows he is more than capable to fly or drive to see truly anytime he wants. And he is more than welcome to be there if he chooses to make the effort. And Christine has done nothing whatsoever to prevent Cody from seeing Truly or any of his kids with her. Cody is the one who makes the choice over and over not to be there. And Cody is the one who refuses to be inconvenienced to make the effort to see his kids. And Cody's inability to be present has absolutely nothing to do with Christine at all. That does it for this episode. To my YouTube viewers, please like and subscribe. And if you like, let me know your thoughts in the comments section. I'll see you guys soon for Sister Wives Season 17, Episode 4. And then there were three. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.